Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. Learn more at magicmind.co slash iPadPros. And this will take advantage of not just live text, but the document scanning feature that we got, I believe, with iPadOS 13. So system-wide, there's the ability to scan documents. And now the drafts developers are able to combine that with live text. So it's not giving you that scan document, but instead ripping that scan, analyzing it with live text, and spitting out the text in a new draft. And it's pretty brilliant. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Epic Pros. I'm pleased to bring back on the podcast Brian from the Infinite Loopback podcast. Now that iPadOS 15 has launched and the app updates have started rolling out, we were able to chat about some of the most notable updates that are worth checking out. These are the apps that really take full advantage of the new OS features, and many of them, especially the Safari extensions, have been game-changing for how I use my iPad. Before we get into the episode, I want to first thank Magic Mind, a brand new sponsor of the podcast. If you want to support iPad Pros, the best way to do that right now is to head on over to magicmind.co slash iPadPros. That's magicmind.co slash iPadPros. Use code iPadPros20 to get 20% off your order at Magic Mind. I'll be sharing later on in this episode what my experience was with Magic Mind and why I think you should give this new drink a shot. My thanks once again to Magic Mind for sponsoring this episode of Epic Pros. As a reminder, you can get episodes early over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by being a paid subscriber on Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the Patreon or through Apple Podcasts. With that, here's my discussion with Brian all about the app updates for iPadOS 15. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Brian. Thanks for having me back, Tim. It's uh, it's good to be back, and you know it's it's been a, a really interesting summer. We've got so much that has has come out this summer, and and uh, now with the with iOS 15 finally being released, it's just been it's been uh, great times on the iPad. It has been. And when did we last chat? Was it right when the beta hit, or before? I'm trying to remember the timeline. I think we last talked right when the beta was just about to come out. So it was right before WWDC. We did the uh, end of May, I believe it was. Okay. So we were still hoping we'd have a fantastic external display port right about now. (laughs) (laughs) With widescreen support on external displays as well. We did not get that. But we got some other really nice things. And we're going to chat. So last week, I kind of did a pretty long episode with Matt all about what came out. uh, The OS itself, as well as the hardware. And this week, uh, now that the OS is out, we're going to chat about some really fun stuff that is brand new to both of us, uh, the actual third-party apps that are taking advantage of stuff that uh, we could only theorize over the summer. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that's been released so far. Yeah, why don't we jump into uh, Safari extensions just to get started? So. I was really excited about this. Uh, amongst my group of friends, I'm one of the ones that's sort of a Safari diehard. Uh, a lot of my friends, you know, even my podcast co-hosts, a lot of them are, are really into things like Chrome and Edge. But I always feel that the the experience on Safari is going to be the better one. And Safari has uh, has supported extensions for quite some time, but the gallery is a little bit on the slim side when you go to the uh, the Mac App Store. There's not as many as I would have expected them to be. 
But with the install base of iOS being so much considerably larger than the Mac, I'm really excited about extensions coming to the iOS and iPadOS versions of Safari. So I guess the uh, the first one that got everybody's attention was 1Password. Uh, have you had a chance to, to play with it yet, Tim? Yes, I am a 1Password user. That and I have a family uh, account where... Um, we have different vaults for me and my wife, and then uh, shared vaults and stuff. And I installed it, uh, this this browser extension. And, you know, at first glance, okay, uh, iOS does a great job with letting third parties integrate the same way iCloud Heating does. So why do I need this extension? And then you start using it. And oh boy, oh boy, it's like on another level. So it's it's not it's like proactive as well. So without even tapping in passwords fields, you're seeing your stuff in there in really fun and awesome ways. And at times, it helps you also migrate from iCloud Keychain. Earlier today, I was logging into a site that was only in iCloud Keychain. So I did the login thing with iCloud Keychain. Then right after that, the one password extension came up and said, Hey, do you want to save this to your one password? It's like, sure, and let you pick up pick up the vaults right then and there within Safari. It's it's just a delightful extension. I, it's mind-boggling how good this is. It's it's funny that you mention that because in my household as well, me and my wife both use one password, and it's invaluable. I you know I taught her to use it. She loves it, but. I have a lot of things over the years that have accumulated and have got stuck in iCloud Keychain. So that feature is also a nice thing to be able to do that because I have so much duplication between the two. And if you've ever looked on the 1Password forums, people have written some scripts in, uh, in various ways to go ahead and try to migrate one from the other. But I, I don't know that I exactly trust that considering you know how important those vaults are. So it's it's crazy to me that I used to think in previous versions of iOS, including up to 14... When you would go to use a password or go to get a password, you would be you know you'd be prompted to get a login from one password or you'd get a login from iCloud Keychain if you had it there. But just the overall uh, smoothness, the uh, the feature, the functionality of having something that pops up that's more like an app instead of just a prompt is it's really really nice. It, it sort of reminded me of the Mac app, but actually better than the Mac app in a lot of ways because I've had some issues with uh, you know when using it on the Mac. Uh, to having it sort of uh, not take over Safari, you know, those obnoxious drop downs that it gives you and it sort of obscures login and password fields. But on iOS, it is just, it's the ideal version of what this should look like. I think theirs is the the model that a lot of these browser extensions should look like going forward, where you can almost have a fully functioning app as a Safari extension. And it's great. I mean, the, the two-factor auth without uh, having to do... Uh, you know, having to copy it and, and paste it, right? It's it's already there. It can do that for you. And you can generate and save passwords into 1Password directly from a web page, which, again, that was my biggest impediment in using it on iPadOS before would be, you know, it was so much easier because iCloud and uh, Keychain had that functionality built in, right? You go to a web page, you're signing up for an account. iOS, I mean, I'm sorry, iPadOS would automatically generate you a password. You'd save it in Keychain, and that was sort of the utility. But that utility doesn't really exist anymore. So you can, you know, you you have no reason not to go all in on one password if it's something that you're interested in. And I'm, I'm just blown away by it. Yeah, so for example, right now, I'm uh, on the MacRumors forum, and it's t- it's telling me if I click into the one password. Ex- so you can also click you can click into the one password extension in the menu bar area. When you do that, it will uh, tell you, oh, you have a weak password here. And then so I'm going in to change it, and um, 
it's and it'll show up within that new password, like the changing area of new password, and it'll use that use suggested password right here, and then lets you automatically update your existing you know password. Yes, right here, and it's just so good because before with so with iCloud Keychain, I would often update my password and hit save and. iCloud didn't save it. I don't know what kind of bug happened, but I'd often have these passwords that just didn't update properly. And yeah, it's just every aspect of using passwords in Safari is just better now. You have, as you said, that full app experience. Pretty much if you click in the menu bar, you can navigate through all your passwords and even like other areas of the app, like secure notes and um, you know your social security numbers if you need them. Uh, everything's in there. There's also suggestions and uh, for like new generated passwords. And it's just and then it's as I said, proactive. It, it's showing you, you know, little. There's a one password icon within these text boxes that are password boxes. And then other places, it'll just flat out. Here's your username, <laughs> and then and password and stuff, and just does it for you. And I've not installed this yet. On my iPhone. It's just only been iPad, but uh, I'm gathering it's just as good on iPhone as well, right? It is. It is. And I mean, obviously, you have a lot less uh, screen real estate to deal with when you're on the iPhone than the uh, than the iPad. But primarily, it's it's mostly the same experience. Uh, one of the things you just sort of alluded to too. And having the full version of the app is that you also get to uh, have access to Watchtower, so you can see at a glance, you know, if your uh, your password has been in data leaks on other places, and you're able to actually utilize that from the app as well. So that's also a useful feature. I mean, you know, the the best way to get to to achieve the um, not getting hacked, I guess, is is the best way to to think about it, is to routinely have passwords that aren't just unique, but aren't out there floating around in, in some sort of data breach. And I use that on the Mac quite a bit. And it existed in the iOS version as well, but it was always one of those things where you accessed one password when you needed it. And it may say, hey, you have a compromised password from this website. And you're like, yeah, yeah I'll get to that later. And you don't remember to do it. Whereas this, it's a little more in your face and it's a, it's something that you can do. Uh, it's, it's a little easier for you to, uh, to use that. Cause I don't think anyone just, you know, randomly goes into their password manager on a, on a humbug and decides to go through and just change, you know, a thousand passwords in a weekend or something like that. So being able to have that security from the, uh, from the, uh, extension as well is, is just amazing. Like they've, they've really done a good job. And I know that, that, uh, the company that makes one password had, had been sort of, uh, had gotten a lot of heat about their Mac app this summer, but I think they've totally redeemed themselves with the, uh, the Safari extension in iPad OS. So something I find just an interesting decision with this extension, I don't know if there's a way to modify the behavior of it is when you go into the extension and you click new item, it, uh, you lets you select which item you want to create new. And it pulls up a new Safari went, uh, tab of that area to create a new item of, rather than the built-in one password app. Right. Do you have a preference? Do you think this is the right approach keeping you within Safari? I guess it's great. It's better not yanking you in and out of different places of the system, but at the same time, I, I like the built-in app as well. I kind of think that what they're trying to go for is a unified experience across as many platforms as you, you can have. So it's it seems like it's sort of mimicking behavior on, on the other platforms for which it exists. Do you think the built-in native app will become less important with this extension? I mean, I ab- yeah. I absolutely believe it'll be less important. Not less important, but I mean, it'll be more like a back end because 
oftentimes, I don't know about you, but when I interface with 1Password in a browser, it's usually I just need to log in really quick or I'm generating a new login. That's usually my two use cases. Now, occasionally I'll do something like, you know, I have a lot of stuff stored in there from from uh, manuals to uh, to driver's license to bank account numbers, things like that. And occasionally I will need to, you know, just go into the app and pull that out. But I don't really see it as being something that's going to get a lot of use when you have it in Safari, because more often than not, it's Safari is where you're mostly going to interact with this. It may be different on the iPad as opposed to, say, something like Mac or Windows or something like that, because... Or even the phone. I think the phone, yeah, the web experience may not be as robust as... Yeah, I'm looking at the website, and it seems like a pretty nice experience there. It's... It's pretty incredible the way that this this whole thing is is they, they put a lot of thought into this. I, I'm really impressed with how they've done it. Sometimes it does feel like sort of a you know on other platforms it's like a lowest common denominator type of experience and it hasn't been the best. But iPad OS and iOS it has been just phenomenal. I mean this is the gold standard I think of how extensions should work. Give you as much functionality of the app itself without actually having to go to the app itself if you don't want to. The dealing with passwords thing is now, you could argue before 1Password or iCloud Keychain as far as the Safari experience. Now, iCloud is a, <laughs> seems like a secondary uh, experience to 1Password's providing here. It kind of is, but you know, in, in Monterey, we're going to be getting a password manager that's built into uh, Mac OS as well. So, and that's some of that stuff I understand may be accessible through Windows as well. So it looks like, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're not being Sherlocked so much as I think they're being forced to innovate and stay ahead of things. And I think if they continue to provide the superior experience, because I mean, iCloud Keychain is one of those things that's been there forever, but it's absolutely horrible to use on every platform that you use it on. Like, I don't want to have to go into the settings under Safari or passwords or whatever and look for a password. Where you can't even split screen uh, the exactly, settings Exactly, yes. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. And then, you know, oftentimes it depends if you've reset a password and you didn't get your email address in there. And, you know, maybe it only captured the password or whatever it was. That's it, it's iCloud Keychain is a mess. It's always been sort of a mess. And this provides a much smoother experience. And I... I'm really hopeful that they will continue to provide a better experience than what you'll have found in the uh, Monterey Password Manager, or if if that comes to iPad OS. I mean, right now it still seems is is the same as it ever was. But as I understand going forward, since they're doing that on the on the desktop, I'd be very surprised if they didn't try to compete with One Password inside of uh, iPad OS as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's One Password. It's incredible and. Yeah, I'm not sure. I forget the pricing model. I am a, a family member, a uh, subscriber. And then I know there's individual. Do you know what that starts at for people that want to get into 1Password? I think it's like $35 a year or something like that. It's it's really low. I know, I, I think I may use just the individual and my wife and I use like a single vault or something like that. And uh, I think families maybe 50 or something like that. I'm pretty sure that the individual account that was about 35 a year because it's, it's next to nothing and you get a very, very functional app. And the thing is, I don't think that I don't remember a price increase in the whole time that I've been using it. And that's probably 10 or 11 years at this point. I mean, it's it's just been this reliable thing and uh, very, very economical, I think. Yeah. So the next one I want to chat about is, I, I think just re very briefly, OneBlocker. This is a uh, service that I subscribe to slash app to uh, help me not be tracked as much. And their extension is one 
I need to figure out a way to disable selectively <laughs> because their extension basically gives a YouTube premium experience without paying for YouTube premium on iOS. <laughs> uh, they figured out a way to block YouTube ads within this extension that you never, ever see. It's just kind of working in the background. and That's pretty slick. It's kind of cool. But yeah, I also need to disable it for people that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's something that's been around for iOS and iPadOS for a, for a good while. But now that it's it's finally into a uh, an actual extension, what's the experience like with that? Because I used to be use OneBlocker back in the day. I think I, I bought it back when it was a four pay app, and then when they went free, I don't think I ever subscribed to it. I pursued other ways to to do ad blocking, but I am curious how uh, how that experience is as an extension. Yeah, the reason I subscribed to it was. Um their in-app tracker thing that they rolled out. They basically have a firewall that like stops apps from like sending stuff around your iPad to let them know, hey, you're using this app and also this app. And so they have this whole firewall system. But the actual extension, as I said, it's invisible. So you don't really see it. You do enable it. And once you enable it, then every time you go to YouTube, it'll just not show you video ads anymore. And this is something new. Um, it's called One Blocker Scripts. And before it could just it block you know ads that are the just imagery ads you know the yeah things like that. But now they have this way of blocking um, video ads within YouTube. Which yeah, I don't know. We're it's a weird thing because like uh, YouTube people, I don't really want to block uh, most of their ads unless it's like the Wall Street Journal where I don't care because they have so much revenue, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I need to figure out a way to selectively. Um, enable that for different creators i guess i don't know i may have to go take a look at that again because that does sound interesting i mean as we discussed on the last show i've been running sort of like a, a pie hole on a, a raspberry pi that i vpn back to my house and and do it that way and that works pretty well but being able to do things on a granular app basis would be very very useful and if they could if they could figure out how to block ads inside of say twitter with a native client instead of having to use tweetbot or something like that i would i would subscribe tomorrow i do believe yeah but it's an interesting example of there are extensions that you never see, and it's a new ability um, within what this extension framework allows, but some of them, they're just completely invisible. Like There are some that will just not show you the cookies anymore. So when you go to a site that is always asking your permission to accept the cookies... <laughs> Right, right. Was that uh, was that Hush? Has that been ported as a full-blown extension now? Hush is out, and I played around with it, and I couldn't figure out how to get that to actually uh, work yet. I don't know. So I'm still actually trying to hunt down for the best cookie-asking thing out there. And that I, I'm not sure if there's a really great one for that yet. Uh, I know there's one in beta that was mentioned on Connected uh, last week. Um, but yeah, so that stuff is coming at some point soon. The other one I've really been just really loving is Noir, N-O-I-R. And this is the dark mode in Safari extension that, that I've chosen. There's a bunch of these things out. I gotta, I gotta agree with you right on the, right on that one. I mean, I'm, my eyes just seem to be getting worse every year. And whenever I read things on the Kindle app or, you know, iBooks, it's always, uh, white text on a black screen. It's it's just so much easier on my eyes, no matter day, night, whatever. I just I much prefer that. So being able to turn Safari into night mode is just, that. that is a, a super useful extension. Yeah, and it lets you be very um, selective about how it behaves. So if a, if a website already has a dark mode, it'll not try to do anything custom with it. And 
already uh, today or yesterday, they rolled out an update. So this app launched when iPadOS 15 launched. And within the week, they have a brand new update that lets you change uh, from the default theme of dark to black. So if you have an OLED or one of those um, mini LED iPad Pros, that just looks phenomenal having a pure yeah. black uh, screen. So yeah, they are continue- they are pushing out updates already. And uh, it's it's just a really good experience being able to go to pretty much any website and have it display properly or not display properly, but uh, display in dark mode. So you're not lighting up a huge, um, you know, bright, bright white screen in the middle of the night when you're trying to get get stuff done. I would also wonder if that would make the battery last a little bit longer just because it doesn't really require as much uh, output for, you know, a dark background like that. Yeah, I'd imagine it definitely would for... Uh, OLED models of phones and then, you know, the mini LEDs for iPad Pros. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to imagine that would. It's amazing watching, like, uh, watching the Verge video reviews this week of the iPhone. And uh, they have some shots that are just, like, Dieter in front of a pure black background. And those things just look so good on this iPad. <laughs> <laughs> just reminded me. There's some instances where it just reminds you where when there's just like a person over a black background, how good this thing can look. Yeah, even even months in, this thing is, is fantastic. Uh, let's see. So one of the ones that I wanted to mention was a little app called Amplosion. Well, an extension called Amplosion. Yeah. And and all of us have had that experience where you go to Google and me and my friends, we share articles with, our, with each other all the time. And I hate sharing those garbage uh, Google AMP URLs, which are, you know, 10,000 lines and special characters long. Plus, if a site is dependent on revenue, if they want to see hits, you know, that we don't want to hit Google's cache for it. We want to hit the site itself for the, you know, the person who's doing it. Google cache is great if, you know, the site's down or something, but if you want to, uh, to help actual independent creators or, uh, even larger organizations, you don't really want to use that. So, uh, not to mention the fact that URLs are much cleaner when you're using something other than the Google amp link. So this is an extension that will let you go to the, uh, to the real site. And again, it's not, it's not, you know, uh, world altering, right? It's no, it's no one password, but it's a utility. It does it really well. And you can't really go wrong with it. I, I love little things that are single purpose like that. I love, uh, you know, Hey, we're just an extension that does this one little thing. And now all of a sudden, you know, you just, you can't live without it because before I would go to the amp site and then I have to hit the tiny tap target of whatever, of go to the real site. And it was just a pain. So it, you know, it removed a couple of clicks, uh, easily. So that's nice. Very cool. Yeah, I'm not someone that uh, has that issue because I use DuckDuckGo for all my searches. I need to go back to DuckDuckGo. <laughs> I guess if I went back and did that, it would it would be fine. I was using DuckDuckGo for the longest time, and some of the results I was getting, I, I just, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a fine search engine, but they're just time. Google's the, the leader for a reason sometimes. And, yeah, I'm not and I like could... a huge searcher in general, I must say. Most of the time, the series search that I end up getting tends to work out pretty good, and I tend to just do the first thing that I'm getting from spotlight a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing for a lot of, a lot of that, but, uh, and again, a lot of times that's Google on the back end for, uh, for the results on, uh, the Siri search, right. Or, or is that the, the system wide default doesn't refer to, doesn't actually change the Siri searches, right. Or does it do that? I thought Apple was doing their own search outside of what the search engines were that were, was separate, but I might be mistaken. 
Uh, let's see. So another extension I've been playing with is uh, Vidimote for Safari. I've been curious about this one. It's been on my list of ones to potentially purchase myself. So the only thing for me... <laughs> I'm I've been a uh, I signed up for YouTube premium back when it was still YouTube red and before they raised the prices. So I'm grandfathered in on like a much lower tier than I think what it goes for today. So for me, the, the use case would be something where I could use YouTube if I ever decided to get rid of that. But there's a lot of places that you go and you'll you'll watch videos that are embedded on a site that aren't YouTube. And yeah. being able to uh, to go and do that, there's there's all sorts of YouTube competitors and wannabes that are out there that are starting to spring up. And being able to uh, to watch videos at higher speed is is a godsend. So one of the things that I've I've done uh, for most of the videos that I watch, it's very rare that I watch a video at normal speed. If it's it's something that I'm I'm interested in, I usually do at least you know one and a quarter or something like that. And this allows you to go up to two x on just about any video. But you know, obviously, you're gonna watch it in Safari to be able to make that happen. So if it's a dedicated app, you know, maybe the utility may not be as as uh, as useful to you if you wanted to use it that way, but if you're if you're fine of using things inside of uh, inside of Safari, then you know, you're good to go. And what's the control look like for that? Cuz you can also like skip 15 seconds forward and back. Like, what other controls does this provide you? Well, other than, than playback, I haven't used any other control for that. So that's the <laughs> Uh, that's the only way that I've actually used it in. I mean, you can do full screen and picture in picture, but again, that's really more of a, a function of being able to, to watch stuff in, in picture in picture anyway. So honestly, I've only, I've only used the, uh, the, uh, the changing the speed, but the, uh, I think it's like 10 forward and like 10 back, something like that. It's not, it, it's not really a, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm actually having to go and look again to see because I was using it earlier today. Jump 10 and forward and backwards is uh, actual time remaining, live stream clock. But speed is really just the uh, the thing, which is adjustable in increments of like 5% or something like that. Okay. So next for me is Grammarly. And this is the first extension that I actually installed. Uh <laughs> And I saw this was out. This was out before I've had OS 15 launched on, I think, like the Friday before or something. And um, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I don't have this turned on all the time. So the cool thing is you can click on the little puzzle piece and selectively turn your extensions on and off kind of at will. And I do that for Grammarly because I think it's a little creepy to have Grammarly just looking at every single thing I'm typing into Safari. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so I turn that off um, most of the time. But when I want to turn it on, it's very useful. And when I'm doing some writing, it's a cool thing to have. So say you're writing a forum post on, you know, that big block of text, you know, or yeah. uh, in your WordPress or something like that. You can turn this on and it'll be looking at your, you know, paragraph and underlying things in red uh, when things are coming up in its its grammar check. And I just have the free Grammarly account. I'm not paying for anything. And it's just you know, the free account. And it'll underline things and it'll give you suggestions of what to change it to. So if I click on this here, it, um, it says unknown word because I just put a couple <laughs> characters together that aren't a word. And I can dismiss it. Um, and then I have one that's suggesting me to change it from R to is. And I can tap on the is and it changes that right then and there. So it's just a really good use of being able to, you know, 
um, kind of go into what you're actually doing uh, writing-wise and uh, checking your grammar on it. And this is something that before you would have to use a, you know, third-party keyboard to, like, check grammar within there, I believe was one of the ways they did it. And then they have an app as well that I would copy all my text into there as, like, a final check and then paste it back. And it's just so much more elegant having everything within just your web browser here. Yeah, I had wanted to check that out. So that was, yeah, I have sort of the same sort of uh, sort of icky feeling about leaving an extension on that watches. And, and that sort of brings me to Honey, which was another one that I had planned on using. I've played played with that on the, the Mac a little bit, you know, because it is good for being able to find, you know, good deals. But at the same time, it's like do, they're monetizing every single search that I do. That's a little... Eh, so anything, yeah. I, I see. I see what you're saying too, with being able to turn and you can turn these things on and off from here, right? That's the yeah, right from the menu bar, and you the, can also do it on a website per website basis. Um, oh, so, that's even better. Uh, so I have this option here: check for writing suggestions on X website I'm on, and I can turn that off right there once I'm on it. So as you're browsing the web, you can kind of go through and change it, and it. For example, it doesn't check my spelling in one password. I, I was looking at the extension, and it's, it's not doing anything there. It's not supported in that website. So some websites, it's not actually going to work, which is probably a good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like one password's website, you wouldn't want it to uh, to work on. You wouldn't want that uh, transmitted or anything. But. Yeah. And when you go to the uh, the Safari extensions on the App Store, it's still sort of. I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot of uh, more than than what we would ever have time to cover. But there's still very small utilities, and they're not. Uh, there's not a lot of. There's not as many as you would expect. I want to see. This there's thing a lot of shared as... utilities. A lot of uh, developers tackling the same problem. And something, if you don't know you can actually find all these extensions in one place by opening the App Store, the Apps tab, that middle tab, scrolling to the very bottom, and then there's this top categories thing at the very bottom. And uh, right now, uh, Safari Extensions is the top category. This is a boon for developers because this is a new feature. And then when you click into there, that category, there's this wonderful kind of... um, page all about Safari extensions where you can look at the top pay, top free, and then these different categories of extensions, which is great. Yeah, it's funny to me how Safari has been around forever. Extensions on the desktop have been around forever, but I think now this is the this is the means by which extensions are actually going to come into popular use are going to be through uh, iPad OS and iOS just because there's so many more users than there are on the Mac. So I'm I'm really excited about this. And even the little four pay extensions are are really uh, as long as it provides a useful utility, I will I will download a two ninety nine or a four ninety nine uh, extension off that uh, off the uh, app store without even hardly a second thought. Just because I I want to see what they're able to do to extend this functionality of Safari. The experience of using a browser on iPad OS has always felt like a slightly lesser than uh, desktop experiences, and I think this is is going to be one of those things that really sort of brings it into desktop class because that was one of the things that were truly missing. I myself, because I was a big Safari user on the Mac, didn't ex- depend on a lot of extensions, but I know so many people who are Chrome and Edge, and you know, users of the, of those alternate browsers who depend on those sort of things. You know, the first thing they do when they get a, a system is they go and they get all these plugins. Well, now Safari has actually for iPad OS has actually entered that, and it, it's another way that it's becoming much more of a desktop experience while not compromising what we like about iPad OS. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. The Mac extensions are going to be so much better now because there's a market for this and developers, I think are going to make a lot of money with extensions, which I'm not sure if 
do developers make money with Chrome extensions or is it mostly a free market over there? I think it's mostly a free market over there for from what I've seen. I mean, it's going to be you're going to have to have paid for an app and then use the corresponding extension. So no real different than like, say, 1Password or something like yeah. that, you know. And the ones that are free that don't have a corresponding business model, those are the ones I really sort of start to wonder about. Because, again, it's like, well, you're not going to do this out of the goodness of your heart. You have to have some reason to be developing this. So how are you monetizing? Yeah. So I mean, I like a to, couple I like, of those are probably yeah. developers doing it for fun their spare time. They just had a curiosity. But, yeah, some of those you got to be wondering about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you do grant permission when you install an extension. Yeah, let it have access to all the sites or just this one I'm on. And generally speaking, yeah, you select it all. Otherwise, what's the point? You know. Though on iPad OS with Apple's sort of uh, policy, you, you would hope that at least some of those would be less creepy. But as long as you consent to this stuff and you know what you're getting into, I, I guess to each their own. Yeah, one of the cool ones that I've not gotten because it's a, uh, a $30 application is Language Translator by Mate. This is an application. It's a full-featured application that kind of rivals the new Translate app for iPad. And they have an extension where it uh, provides a very rich... A translating experience within Safari. So you can highlight a word and it gives you this wonderful overlay of uh, different translations with the ability to copy uh, the different um, translations as well as hear what it sounds like right within Safari. Uh, and then there, on the bottom of web pages, there's this big translate button where you can translate entire web pages. And it just seems like a really well done option for those that have this need. Uh, it's something I don't currently need. Uh, me neither. I do worry about something like the uh, the translation features that are built into to iPad OS 15 being something that would make that sort of easily Sherlocked at some point. So uh, I hope that developer can get all he can for it as long as he can until that that day comes. Because uh, I would I would feel that that's that's something that's got to be imminent on the horizon at some point. Do you think Apple will start building extensions themselves? I don't think they'll build extensions so much as I think they will just take that functionality and roll it into uh, Safari in the same way that like reading list or, uh, you know, one of those are, you know, remember Instapaper used to be the, the big thing. And then you don't really see people using a lot of read later apps because of, you know, the, the ability to have the read later stuff directly yeah. from the, uh, from the browser. I, you know, we'll talk about it in a moment, but you know, the, the notes feature where you can highlight text inside of a quick note, you know, and you can, you can make a quick note out of that. And then, uh, when you come back into the quick note, it'll go back to the web page and display the, the text highlighted. That's, <laughs> I, I'm of two minds on this because I'm, I'm old enough to remember when, when Microsoft used to do this sort of thing where they would take functionality and roll it into the OS. And then, you know, they would drive entire business models out just because, you know, they would do the same thing. And, and Apple has been sort of notorious for that too, but when you're able to integrate it at the system level, it, you can you can do things that uh, that extensions aren't even aren't even the best fit for. So uh, I do wonder about that. I do wonder if certain things like that, where they've expressly done something like the translation, was a big thing at WWDC that they they focused on. So I would have to think, you know, it's not going to be confined to an app much longer. It's going to, at some point, maybe it's iOS 16 or 17, it'll probably be something like where, you know, you can right-click and, and translate or just, you know. I uh, mean, so you can already do this within Safari. So I can highlight a word. I can then tap translate, and then it will give me uh, whatever language I chose. I can actually play that audio I can replace that text I highlighted with the translation, and uh, yeah, I can open then and translate the app 
it appears that a lot of that functionality that I just saw is integrated into the system already, but perhaps they have a uh, pro-level area where this uh, built-in stuff doesn't cover. Yeah, you you would have to think when you can do onesie twosies type things like that and do translate that it's it's got to be imminent for the for the browser in some future release. Yeah, I would be curious to see you know extensions by Apple. Like they make apps, and I'd be curious to see if they have any cool ideas for extensions in the future. There are certain things where they'll create something and then not enter into that at all, whether it's, you know, making, you know, HomeKit, but making zero devices that are actually for HomeKit. You know what I mean? Where right. it's, they'll create this thing and then just the uh, count on the development community to use it. I would love to see them do it because knowing Apple, they would probably have access to private APIs that they wouldn't give the rest of us. So they could they could really uh, do some neat stuff. Yeah. Uh, the other one, we mentioned search a while ago. Uh, keyword search is a really amazing extension. Uh, this is totally free. Um, I saw, I heard about this in six colors. Dan Morin is a fan of this one and it's, this is a brilliant one. This is where, so when you're in Safari, you can in this, in the URL bar type like I dash and then a space, and then it'll search. I have mine set up for IMDB and there's let me make sure that syntax is right. It might be dash I, but, um, and I, there's one for Amazon. So like you can type, you know, a dash, you know, and then whatever word you're looking, whatever product you're looking for. So, uh, it's just, it's, it saves you a lot of time in just searching where you want to be searching. I have to, I'll have to look at that because that's something that I think the iPad has needed. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen the same. I would love to see something like Alfred from the Mac be able to exist inside of iPad OS because I do so many things with Alfred that, uh, but that's a, that's one of the things you can do with Alfred as well is like, you know, have shortcuts that will automatically search Amazon, Google, whatever you want to search it up for. So I need to get that one. I think that, uh, that would be, uh, that'd be pretty slick. I like that. Yeah. So I just tried it. Um, I forgot. There is no dash involved. <laughs> you just type E space and then whatever you want from eBay and it'll search eBay. You type A space, whatever you want from Amazon. And, uh, you know, there's one for YouTube. You can add custom ones if you want. Uh, for, for custom ones, you basically add a URL bar that is their search bar in some way. Um, um, but by default, there's AmazonArchive.org, the Wayback Machine. DuckDuckGo, eBay, Google, Google Images, Google Maps, IMDb, Wikipedia, Wolfram Alpha, YouTube. Uh, pretty awesome. And for a lot of people listening, I know anybody that would be listening to this show is probably not uh, not intimidated by that at all. And some people may wonder, why would you want to do that when it just saves you like this little amount of time? But when you start getting used to it, those shortcuts become very, very powerful. If you know where you're going, you know, 10 seconds here, 20 seconds there, that stuff adds up over time, right? I mean, it having the ability to have this customization that has existed on the desktop for a while, but still have it in a way that doesn't compromise what iPad OS is. I I'm all for it. I'm, I'm hoping more people do stuff like that because that, that is great. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, these Safari extensions, this is just wave one and there's some really cool stuff already out. And, uh, it makes me think uh, third party web browsers. <laughs> I don't know why you'd use a different browser at this point with this ability within Safari now. Yeah, and plus, since they all use the same rendering engine on the back end per Apple's uh, mandate, then you're really better off just using uh, 
using Safari. The only people that I know that use things like Chrome or Edge or Firefox or whatever on a on an iOS device, it's just for tab and bookmark synchronization across multiple devices. That's the. I have to wonder, could you do an extension like a Chrome extension within Safari for syncing bookmarks or hmm. tabs? Yeah, yeah. Could you, you sync tabs through that, an extension? You would have to think that that's just data that could be stored and. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if we don't see that at some point. Yeah, I I think Firefox already has an extension for Safari, which is just great. Uh, I'm not sure if Google would ever do this. It's called Firefox Focus, um, that extension. I'm not quite sure what it does. I think it's like a blocking of ads and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that, but I... I do use Firefox on the Mac, but seldom. I don't use anything other than Safari on iPadOS or iOS. Yeah. So any other extensions you want to chat about? No, I think that's that's all I've had a chance to uh, to play with yet. I have gone through the the uh, App Store looking for things, and I do see a lot of these little utilities that are sort of single one-off. And as you said, there are a lot of developers that are trying to do uh, <laughs> attacking the same problem. So you do have a lot of duplicates in some cases. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch this with... Uh, a lot of attention to see where this goes because again we've seen great examples of it so yeah uh, the final one i just want to mention quickly is good links this is a really great alternative to the reading list in safari and their new extension uh when you tap it it um lets you be much more um detailed about what you're adding so you can add tags when you're adding a link you can title it you can add a summary to it you can mark it as read or add to the starred list right there within this extension. And it basically acts as a little pop-up window within Safari. So um, within the current page, you're not yanked out of anything, but uh, just a little overlay and pretty nice. You know, I, I take that back. There is an extension that I do want to see get created that doesn't exist in iPadOS, but does exist on macOS. And that is uh, Paprika 3. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a uh, a recipe app. And I've, I've used this for a long time. And if you're, you're uh, pay for the app, they give you this ability. Now it does exist, exist on iPadOS. You can go in and, uh, you can go to a web page that has a recipe, for example, and you can, with a couple of clicks, it'll go through and uh, save it so that you can have it offline. It's a printable PDF, and they do a lot of parsing to make sure that whatever is there is, you know, they get rid of a lot of cruft if there was ads and other stuff in there that you don't need and make it sort of very streamlined, and you can have a library within the Paprika 3 app to be able to do that. The way that it works on iPadOS right now is the way that a lot of apps have worked the, where there was no extension capability uh, before where it opens up its own instance of Safari from within the app. And then from there, it can do what it needs to do. But now that extensions exist, I'm really hopeful that they uh, that they end up taking advantage of that because it is something that I've used quite a bit. I, you know, I, I, I love cooking, and I do that quite a bit. And I'm always looking for new and interesting things to make. So I've compiled a big library within this app over time. And it would just be nice to be able to to do that straight from Safari and iPad OS, just like I do it on Mac OS. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. And I hope that yeah, that sounds great. If they could could do that, um, I was just looking as you were chatting there to see if Evernote had their extension 
available yet, and it doesn't seem like they do. So I, you know, ever know back in the day would be one of those that I just like imagine would be their day one with this amazing extension, same way one password was because their um, Mac extension back in the day, I remember being really well done. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to use. I'm a, <laughs> and I think we'll we'll talk about that too when we get the quick notes. Is I'm, I've been a diehard Evernote user for years, and even now I'm starting to see, well, maybe I don't need to be necessarily uh, anymore, which I think is all the more reason they should have had something out day one, right? Give those people that are still paying for the premium extent, I mean, premium uh, subscription, a reason to keep doing that, you know, and it just seems like a no brainer. It's existed on the Mac forever. So, you know, having the ability to do that from within iPad OS would just be icing on the cake. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. Here's what I experienced after trying Magic Mind for the first time. For those that don't know, I once weighed 100 pounds more than I do today. And I've been on a health journey since 2015 learning what and what doesn't work for me. I'm someone that practices time-restricted feeding as well as quarterly extended multi-day water fasts. I mention this because the remarkable thing about Magic Mind is the kind of focus and clean, steady energy I felt after drinking Magic Mind was a similar sensation from what I experienced in the later phases of an extended multi-day fast. For those that haven't experienced this, when you fully transition out of sugar-burning mode and start burning fat for energy, your energy becomes super stable and your mind has a degree of clarity that is hard to describe. Your ability to think problems out becomes something you have endless energy for. And Magic Mind provide this kind of incredible sensation simply by being the first thing I drank when I woke up. Everybody does a little fasting simply by going to bed. And by drinking Magic Mind when you wake up and are ready to get some work done, you can get some of your most productive hours simply by drinking Magic Mind. The taste of Magic Mind is a mixture of sweetness and bitterness. It uses a matcha tea as its base and packs in a bunch of incredible ingredients that include adaptogens and nootropics like lion's mane mushrooms. I drink it as a sipping drink, like many would espresso. Others take it as a shot, and you can also mix it up with milk to make a latte out of it. So if you're trying to get into that productive zone, and for whatever reason find yourself procrastinating, give Magic Mind a shot. Beyond apps, Magic Mind should also become an important part of your productivity workflow. Learn more at magicmind.co slash iPadPros. And get 20% off your order by using the code iPadPros20. That's iPadPros20. And head on over to magicmind.co slash iPadPros. And make sure to use that code iPadPros20 to get 20% off your order. Give Magic Mind a try today to boost your productivity to the next level and get into the productivity flow quicker and easier. My thanks to Magic Mind for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. So let's jump to live text. There's a couple apps that kind of integrate directly with this. Uh, this is the feature where if you have an A12 Bionic or newer chip, uh, that you can do live text. So I believe that's the iPad... Eighth generation or later, so not the, the one that just came up, the one before, I think we'll do it. And then, uh, yeah, A12 devices, so I'm not sure how far back they've got, that goes with the iPad um, stuff. Um, I might go look at that right now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's been a couple of years. And uh, you can access this just via the camera app, and uh, when you're in the camera, there will be the little three lines at the bottom, and it'll pause what you're looking at and just... Um, not even take a photo, but just kind of pause it so you can select the text and click on phone numbers and stuff. 
But apps can also directly integrate with this. And one of the first ones that updated with this was Parcel. Basically, how this works is, say there's um, a tracking number. So you have this like long 16-digit uh, number in front of you, or it's not scanning the barcode. It's instead using live text when you're scanning, say, a receipt with the... <laughs> with the uh, tracking number down there, and it'll find that tracking number and automatically input that there so you're not typing this this code out uh, to get it into your deliveries app, which is really, really smart. You know, I was not familiar with that app. That is, uh, that is extremely cool. I'm going to have to go take a look at that myself. I've been using the deliveries app forever by JuneCloud, and I, I don't know that they've updated to take advantage of that or not. I will say that I have noticed... That if I do take a picture of something, you know, being able to to select and copy that directly from a photo has just been a game changer. I mean, that's been the best, one of the best things that I've seen in this because it seems to apply for things where even in apps where I wasn't able to select text before, I'm able to select it now, it seems like. Um, I, it, it's just been it's just been really, really nice. I did go and take a look for those that are listening that are wondering about the A12 Bionic. It's the iPhone XS and XS Max. XR, iPad mini, the fifth generation, iPad Air, third generation, uh, the iPad that came out last year, as you uh, alluded to, the eighth generation, and uh, the Apple TV 4K, which you know, that wouldn't be applicable here, but... Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, 10... Okay, cool. 10 Sorry, I didn't mean to... to no, uh, that's great. Yeah, so iPad... So Air 2 is like... That was the the breakthrough one that lasted, and now it's it's been cut off. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. iPad Air, third generation, and... Uh, I guess that's the is that the most recent one? I haven't bought an iPad Air in, in many, many years. I think we're on the fourth generation iPad Air, if I'm not mistaken. Ah. I'm probably mistaken though. Let me pull up I can pull up Mac Track. Yeah, that was a that was a twenty nineteen release, it looks like, for the iPad Air three, and it was discontinued in the uh fall of last year. So yeah, it was the iPad Airs that came out uh, last year, twenty twenty, I guess. I the fourth generation. Yep, cool. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, the iPad Mini Five was based off of that iPad Air, I believe. Ah, memories. Yeah, because they they're kind of Mini is the sibling to Air at this point. Uh, and then Drafts is another really cool use of live text. So you, there's this new ability to uh, tap and hold on the plus icon and select Scan Documents, and this will take advantage of not just live text, but the document scanning feature that we got, I believe with iPadOS 13. So system-wide, there's the ability to scan documents. And now the drafts developers are able to combine that with live text. So it's not giving you that scan document, but instead ripping that scan, analyzing it with live text, and spitting out the text in a new draft. And it's pretty brilliant how it, it kind of combines two technologies in one one go, you know. I really need to get back into drafts as well. It's one of those things that I used to use. I, a few years back, there was sort of this editor wave where you had things like IA Writer and you had uh, uh, drafts and you had Bear. And what was the other one that I was thinking of? There was another one that came out that was just called Writer. I think it was. It wasn't the IA one. So, uh, man, I was I was on all of those. I got all of them, bought all of them, and. I don't know why drafts sort of dropped out of the uh, of the regular use for me because I I do remember liking it but I have a my podcast co-host uh, swears by the Apple Watch integration with that as well saying that you know being able to take quick notes from that has been something that's uh, that's been super useful to him so the fact that you can do the uh, the scanning and I, I've got to give that another look yeah it's it's super well done and yeah their Apple Watch app 
it's great and um yeah it's just a well well done app for sure are there any other apps that have, have taken advantage of the live tech stuff? I mean, I've mostly been relying on the uh, the camera that's built into the iPad to be able to do stuff or the iPhone and, and do it that way. So are there any others? Those have been the big two that I've seen. I believe LookUp will be supporting this or already does. Um, but those, yeah, there's not a ton that are like doing special integrations uh, with live text. So these have been the big two, yeah. I was afraid that it was just like, is anyone using this other than the way that I'm using it? But that's that's good to know. At least the, those are out there. Yeah, and I'll I'll look up as we're talking here, see if the App Store is highlighting other uses of live text. I'm forgetting. But uh, I want to dive into widgets. Um, extra large widgets are now on iPad as well as regular size widgets. So what's your widget experience been like? Now that they're on iPad. Unfortunately, a lot of the apps that I have used have not embraced the XL widgets, which I think is kind of a shame. But the two that I've used that I really like are Fantastical and Cardhop. Uh, Fantastical, I mean, just being able to have the month view and then also have a list of daily tasks because I use Fantastical. I also use Todoist, which does not have an XL widget right now, but uh, I also integrate my Todoist account into Fantastical. So it's all sort of one big uh, clearinghouse for the things that I do. I might use Siri on a HomePod or an iPhone or an Apple Watch to add a reminder and use Fantastical to automatically import those in. And I may decide to go and, you know, create lists inside of Todoist, which I used to do for work quite frequently. And having that one clearinghouse of being able to uh, to see things is really nice. And something like that really lends itself to the Excel widget because you can also get your month at a glance and you can also switch to different days without having to go fully into the app, which is which is also nice. Uh, Cardhop, which I know you're a, a Cardhop user as well, just being able to have multiple contacts that are that are out there is uh, is really nice. Yeah. So I frequently only communicate with, on a regular basis, certain people over and over and over. So being able to go in and just a couple of taps and, you know, you're, you're in there is, uh, is nice. Yeah, and the card hop widget, uh, their extra large one... I think it's six people or something on it? Well, their extra large one is only for birthdays. Ah. And this is a really brilliant thing, for, for me at least. Uh, so it'll list out six, so 12 people... They'll show you your next 12 birthdays coming up. It pulls this data from Cardhop, which I have a bunch of birthday data because uh, back in the day, it integrated with Facebook. So um, <laughs> I have that data. You did the same thing that I did. So yeah, that's a weird thing too, because in, inside of Fantastical, I've had that forever where I go in and I'll uh, open up my calendar and I'll see friends' birthdays and it'll tell me exactly how old they are. And I'm like, how do I know this information? I didn't go in and put this. For oh, and then I remember, yeah, Facebook back in the day used to do that. So, yep. So, yeah, it'll tell me the next 12 birthdays. If it has the year of the birthday, it'll tell me how old they'll be. Super handy because I'm constantly forgetting birthdays. And this is an issue I have. It also just the math of like, okay, that's the year. How, how old are they actually going to be? <laughs> so, it, it solves a real, you know, um, uh, you know, problem in, in my life of just forgetting birthdays and uh, seeing the next 12 is a good amount of people. Like you can cover a couple months at sometimes the year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For those that are curious about how do I find which widgets actually support extra large? So uh, the easiest way I've found to do this is just find one extra large widget. I believe the podcast, the built-in podcast app has an extra large widget. If you add that to your home screen and then if you tap and hold, and you edit um, the widget or the actually, excuse me, uh, 
you first need to make a stack. So find two extra large widgets uh, and make a stack out of them. And once you have a stack, uh, from there, you can then uh, do something pretty cool of editing a stack. And when you edit a stack, you can then hit a plus button there. And it's only going to show you the extra large widgets now because that's all you can add to an extra large stack. So that'll show you everything you have installed on your system for finding that. So I see one for Spark, which is a pretty cool widget where it shows me the inbox as well as my calendar. So that's a pretty nifty integration uh, there, of both of that kind of data points there. So um, that's a really good way to see what is available for you Uh uh, and it will kind of filter out on the sidebar there of what apps actually let you do this. That's a that's a handy little trick you've learned there too. And then Spark is one that I should have thought about as a as a widget. Most of my email it feels like these days is just you know ads. So even though I'm a I'm a Spark user on every device that I have, that was one that I didn't think to actually go and create a widget for because my email has been. Not so interesting in the last uh, last few months. So I think I'm going to have to go and take a look at that as well. That is that is fantastic. Readle makes some great apps. So. Yeah, and within the widget, you can change from the message category, from the inbox, notification, news, or people. You can use the unified inbox or just change it to one of them. And for the calendars, you can do all calendars or change it to just... Maybe you just want to show the holidays. You can just have the holiday calendar show. Like, it, it's... And uh, the ability to tweak these is pretty nice. Man, I'm, I'm going to kick myself for not thinking of using the uh, the Spark Excel widget. And uh, Carrot is another just great Excel widget. Uh, if you're a user of Carrot, uh, the Fantastic Weather app, that is a great one. And it's kind of kind of encouraged me to upgrade my subscription to the top, 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 top one versus the middle one that I'm at now. Because that's where you get the weather maps in the widget, which would be pretty nice. Carrot is one. I've always been a dark sky user. Me and my, my co-host on my podcast talk about this a lot. They're all carrot users. And I'm like the lone uh, dark sky holdout over here. So, and since Apple acquired dark sky, I think I need to, uh, to go take a look at doing uh carrot. I know carrot used to get their, their API info on the back end from, from dark sky, but I know that's, that's going away. But again, since the, since the iPad doesn't have a weather app, that's kind of uh, that's kind of a, a glaring omission that uh, that carrot seems to fill in pretty nice. Yeah, and then and that's just another suggestion. Just look at the things you can edit in widgets. Um, so, for example, in the card hop one I just mentioned, I just discovered you can actually change it to instead of showing the date, show a countdown. So I can see, oh, there's 32 days until X person's birthday, or three days, and that's just a fun little countdown to see. And you can also change it to only show certain groups. So if you only want to see, say, your family's birthdays, you can edit the card hop widget to just show that group. And uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that. That's nice. And then as far as other widgets, uh, so yeah, Carrot is kind of like a go-to one for me. And as far as widgets in general, are you using some good non-extra large ones that you're finding useful on iPad? I haven't had a lot of the apps that I depend on actually provide Excel widgets. And that's kind of surprising, but not really. I mean, since this is a thing that's that's somewhat new, I have a feeling that's going to go on and uh, and get better. But I mean, just using standard <laughs> medium-sized widgets, things like Telegram is, is one that I depend on a lot. The Apple Music one I depend on a lot. The battery status apps. Um, my my home screen right now is is completely littered with uh, little utilities like that. But those are the ones that I, I primarily depend on the most. Um, I, I mean, some of the apps that I depend on still haven't updated to stop using the old-style widgets. 
to actually start using the the modern widgets. So that's a that's also kind of a, a frustration. Yeah. It does look like Widgetsmith now has extra large widgets. I thought this wasn't happening because of uh, what I've heard on his podcast about it. But it looks like he did actually figure that out and it's available if you'd like to play around with that. You know, Widgetsmith, that is a that's also a great uh, a great app that we should probably have have uh, mentioned as well. I'm I'm sure most people know about that that are that are listening to this to this podcast. I mean, uh that app blew up when iOS 14 was released. So, uh, you know, a year ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm adding one there now and, uh, yeah, they're, they're nice, nice and big. I've got this, uh, sun, uh, kind of solar widget that kind of tells me where the sun is and the, uh, as far as when is solar noon and stuff. And have the widgets changed the way that you primarily use your iPad? Cause I know they have for me. Yeah. They really have, as, um, talked about in the last episode, the, the focus modes combined with widgets really, changed you know my relationship with apps and app icons and uh, i'm using mostly widgets with just a couple app icons on the home screens now i think the app library too is also a uh, sort of a, a thing that was sorely missed on the ipad after showing up on the iphone first and being able to install apps directly to the app library without having to put them on the home screen and then you know delete them and uh just send the app library uh is is really really sort of changed the the layout of what my iPad looks like. Before it was sort of mimicking mimicking the um the iPhone aesthetic where, you know, you would have just a folders or, you know, pages worth of uh, of stuff, but now being able to get all of that data at a glance from the home screen through widgets and keeping things that I don't frequently use enough uh straight in the uh the app library has been great. Not I mean, let alone what we're able to do now with focus mode. So it doesn't feel so much like a large iPhone anymore, even though you can do the widgets on the iPhone, obviously, but it doesn't feel like that large iPhone anymore. The being able to get your data just from a glance has been sort of a game changer with this. Yeah. And evidently you can have different widget layouts uh, if you're in landscape or, uh, or vertical mode, portrait mode, uh, which is blows my mind. You can actually move your uh, widgets around and it, it doesn't mirror on both places. You can change that. Uh, to match whatever you want. Do most people use the uh, something like the iPad Pro? I mean, obviously, when we're talking about you know the iPad, there's so many form factors and so many sizes. Uh, I should be getting a mini this week for my wife, and I planned on seeing how the widget layout goes on that compared to what I've had on the 12.9-inch Pro. And she primarily uses her iPad in portrait mode for most of the stuff that she's doing. I'm primarily using mine in, in landscape mode because most of the time it's it's hooked to my Magic Keyboard unless I'm doing some reading or something like that. So I'm I'm curious since I'm her IT guy to as I'm setting sort of this stuff up and trying to get her to adopt some of these technologies how those those larger widgets look on the uh, on the iPad Mini I, that's one thing that we I haven't done on her her uh, fourth gen but I will be doing on the well wait a minute now she has a fifth gen and then yeah. we'll be getting the the sixth yeah I mean I use it to combine both ways more often in uh, landscape I would say though yeah I, I think giving you have more real estate to work with and it's it's more computer like in that way right you get Right. access to more information uh if i'm using something where i'm doing it in portrait mode though it would it would change things completely for me i, I yeah i've got a i'm a tinkerer with that stuff and i i cannot get things exactly the way i don't know it yeah. takes me a long time to come up with a way with i'm exactly happy with it yeah the ipad mini seems more of a uh, portrait first device so that'd be fun to, to play around with and uh yeah uh, the a final uh, xl widget i i just saw here is parcel uh we talked about that earlier and it'll show you a map 
and kind of the status of your delivery there and the nice big size. And um, yeah, so I'm sure more of these will come out as uh, the updates come out. But uh, yeah, a lot from uh, uh, the, the makers of Cardhop and Fantastical. The, that's uh, one developer there uh, who does uh, great work. Yeah, I've been a longtime Fantastical user and subscriber. And that product just keeps getting better and better and better and better. So we did live text, extra large widgets and widgets in general. Uh, the last category, quick notes, is a fun one. This is something I'm still wrapping my head around, especially since we have third pretty apps out and how best to use this uh, ability. So within quick notes, which you can sign with uh, Globe Q or by dragging the Apple Pencil or your finger from the bottom right or in Control Center, um, all the ways to trigger this thing. <laughs> and uh, when you do that and on your screen is something that quick notes can link to, there is a button uh, that says, you know, add link to, you know, PCALC or Safari. Or if you're in split screen, it'll give you um, an option to pick which one you want to link to. Or say you have a slide over app that also supports this. It'll give you the option to choose between three different uh, quick note supported things all at once, which is just amazing uh, that it does. It will let you um, add quick notes to anything that is on your screen that is accepting it. It doesn't kind of box it out to just one thing. Some of the integrations that you would have expected to be there day one aren't there. So for me, the the thing is like Apple Music. Like I want to be able to go into QuickNote and have the same sort of functionality that you have in Safari, where if you do a QuickNote inside of Safari, as you mentioned, there's a button that says, add this URL to the note. And you just click it and, you know, you're you're good to go. It would be nice that if you find a song or something that you want to be able to do, you just swipe up, do the quick note, have the same button of add this to a note. But strangely, that functionality doesn't exist. And that's that's sort of a weird one to me because you would feel that Apple's first-party apps would be supporting all of this stuff day one. And it's, it's weird that some of the third-party apps that you mentioned actually have better support for that than, uh, than uh, quick note. Yeah. And quick note, I mean, it's interesting with PCALC especially – I don't think there was a way prior to like save calculations within pcalc, right? It's just kind of a calculator and just drifts off as you yeah. do new calculations. I think that's the uh, I think that's the the use case. So when you said you were using uh, pcalc with QuickNote, that didn't even occur to me to uh, to even do that. So so what's that experience like with you? So you're saving calculations from that. How extensive does it does it show the? Yeah, so you can um, you can open QuickNote after doing a calculation, and you can just say "Add to QuickNote," and then when you tap on that link, it'll pull a pcalc with that calculation there. So it provides a way to actually save these calculations and a way to get back to, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm, I don't do a bunch of math stuff, but I just found this kind of a curious use of uh, QuickNotes. Um, that is a very interesting thing. Again, I avoid math like the plague myself, but. Uh... Being able to uh, to do that is is a really neat thing. Um, one of the things that I've liked about QuickNote as well is that if you don't want to add an entire URL, if there's just a snippet of a page that that interests you, you can go in and highlight that text, add that to QuickNotes, and then if you pull that back up, let's say you go in and you open that URL, it'll open the URL back with the text highlighted. So that for me is is really a a very, very useful feature of why did I bookmark this page in the first place? What was it about this that interested me? Oh yeah, this particular passage here or this particular paragraph is uh, is really neat. Yeah. Uh, and if you visit a page or say an app that you've quick noted before or that part of the app, so say you're on PCALC at that exact uh, calculation still, it'll 
uh, open that quick note window in the top bottom right where you can tap on it, and it opens it back up and uh, that's kind of an interesting thing that um, kind of makes it more discoverable to get these notes back and one of my favorite uh, quick note updates has been agenda it's one of the few apps that I've seen that lets you do multiple links in a single quick note oh so a lot of these apps you're only able to add just a single link into a, a single quick note. The agenda, I can tap on an agenda note, and then with that quick note uh, window open, I can tap add link to quick note. And then I can tap on a different agenda note, and then I can once again, in that same quick note, add a link to a quick note from there. So you can put like, you know, five or six or how many ever you want in a single quick note, and maybe that's a way to... you organize a bunch of notes of things you're working on as an, just another way to remind you, hey, you should be working on these notes. Or I'm still trying to figure out what the what the best use case is of making notes about a note. Uh, it's kind of a very meta thing, <laughs> uh, especially with their fantastic widgets that with the whole agenda system of here's your relevant notes you should be keeping an eye on, you know, the on the agenda notes, which show up in the widget as a way to remind you of this. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to use QuickNote and, and with these links uh, of sorts. Uh, that is a, a tough one to, to sort of wrap one's head around because the app sort of provides that functionality anyway of, of things that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And these QuickNotes, I'm not sh- like if you share a QuickNote with somebody that has these links, it won't, uh, of course, link to anything because uh, they don't have your apps installed with your data. Right. Yeah. Though it is worth noting, too, that the Quick Notes people probably already figured this out, of course. They're stored inside of a folder inside of, uh, of Notes. And inside of a Quick Note, you can swipe left or right, and you should be able to go uh, between Notes. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's also a, a very handy little feature uh, as well. I'm still trying to – most of the time, my use case for doing Notes is if I'm on a website – um, you know, my wife and I will both have like a million tabs open and they'll, there's a reason for having those tabs open. Maybe, you know, you're looking at buying this furniture or, uh, you know, exploring a potential vacation in the future or something like that. And being able to put context as to why this thing is open. Sometimes, you know, my wife will, will use my, uh, iPad or whatever, and I'll go in there and I'll see, you know, like, why is, why is this open? Why is that open? And, you know, I, I go through and I start, you know, closing tabs here and there, but being able to make a contextual note as to, you know, why is this something that, uh, that I'm, I'm interested in. And the fact that notes support tags now as well is, uh, is also a useful thing too. That's also sort of a, a feature that other note taking apps like Evernote have supported forever, giving you the ability to do a search based on a topic or a keyword. Cause I am a, I'm a huge tag fan of being able to go through and, and put as many descriptors in there about something that's relevant that'll help me find it later when I can't remember the exact thing that I was looking for. Right. Playing around with the, the quick note uh, links and stuff it gives you. And once they're in your quick note, it does not appear that you can just copy those links into other places, which is a shame. You would have to think that that's something they're going to fix at some point when when there's an ability that's sort of a universal thing, I guess, that they could they could share the data across. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I was thinking of like, oh, maybe I can. A reason you'd want a quick note to an agenda link is maybe you're quick noting to a different app you also use for like, say, say Devin think you want that kind of data related in some way and that ah. potentially could be a use. 
Yeah, that's a use case that I didn't consider. And then you know, OmniFocus uh, 3 and 4, uh, which 4 is in beta, also support uh, quick note uh, integration. And, you know, making notes about your to-dos, that's something that uh, you can do within the app itself. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, perhaps those that are really heavily invested in the notes app uh, find value in having a more simple app to do, you know, your note taking uh, about certain things. Yeah. When it comes to things like OmniFocus, which again, I used to be an OmniFocus uh, user. That is a fantastic application. When I see things like that, it's kind of like, it seems sort of redundant to me. Maybe there's some use case that I just haven't considered that would make it make it easier to use. But when you have something that actually serves that same purpose, having the notes just always seem kind of redundant to me. I mean, you already have syncing with those applications so that all of that data is consistent across all of your devices. So there's not really that functionality that, that makes it useful. But uh, yeah, the one thing I'm just thinking of now is perhaps if you're making like a, uh, here's a bunch of different things you want to have on top of mind and you want this all in one widget, the quick notes widget. If you are linking to OmniFocus agenda and these different things, your quick notes widget is a single widget you can have on your iPad home screen to like, I don't know. It could be a little dashboard thing. Maybe I don't know. If you're working on a, if you're working on a project with other people, uh, sometimes you don't want them to be able to see some note that you may want to take in regards to something you're working on as a shared project having a quick note I could see for your own private use, you know, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's possible. I think if we sit here long enough, we could probably come up with the, the <laughs> use cases for those. But yeah, my, my current use case is I'm in the, I'm in the middle of something, the phone rings. I need to take a quick, <laughs> a quick note <laughs> as the name suggests. And it's just, it's the quickest way to get to no entry where it saves it. Uh, I remember in the past, I would often open up Spotlight as just a text field and enter <laughs> notes about stuff. And uh, that wasn't ideal. Uh, so now we have quick notes for that. My wife uses uh, iMessage to text me things, and I'll get these out-of-context sort of snippets of text. I'm like, what is this? She's like, oh, something you'll need to remind me about later. So apparently I'm her quick note. But have you ever texted yourself uh, reminders? I have in the past. I haven't in, in quite some time. I would usually, I mean, you, you bring up a good point with the being able to do the, uh, invoke the, uh, you know, quick note keyboard shortcut. If somebody calls you and you want to write something down. Otherwise, I would tell the person, wait, I'm getting a pencil and paper as I open the notes app and, yeah. you know, started prepared to, you know, go ahead and and uh, and type it up. So, I mean, obviously, that is the, the most obvious use case. But I've been wanting to see apps that take more advantage of this because I want to I want to note take everything. You know, my my notes folder hierarchy is a mess compared to what I did in Evernote just because I do exactly what you're talking about. Somebody will call me and I'll open up a note and then I still have the note open and then I'll type something else that's completely unrelated. I have to get better about this because it's it's an unmaintainable mess the way that I have it now. But I'm hoping that Quick Note will uh will fill that need so that I can go through here and, and clean up a lot of this cruft that I've uh, accumulated over the last, I don't know, decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. My one hope with um, quick notes is, you know, if Apple won't make a full fledged Apple notes app for the watch, at least make a quick notes app. That's just show me, you know, my quick notes. Let me add a new quick note on the watch. That seems like a, a good starting point. If you're not going to do a full fledged notes app for watch. It is an odd omission when you think about the apps that exist out there that can do this sort of thing. Drafts being a perfect example of something that, that fills that need where it seems like it's a no-brainer, especially as the voice recognition on the watch gets better. 
you know, if you're getting and we're getting a keyboard uh, this fall. I was just about to say the Series Seven uh, is going to be make it so that you can you can type uh, on it as well. It I seems can't like see like entering like Wi-Fi passwords and just a lot of things that were impossible to do before will become much easier with that keyboard uh, there. Probably, but for independence, you know. Yeah. But I certainly hate typing Wi-Fi passwords even on the phone. So I oh, can sure. only imagine how that uh, how that Wi-Fi experience, how, how typing a, a password like that on the uh, the watch is going to go. And that's another use where, you know, live text. Uh, if uh, someone has a router using your iPhone to grab the live text is going to be great. That <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that because we all have that uh, the router from our ISP or whatever, the cable modem, whatever you need. Where you get that, uh, you know, the admin credentials or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I've had to go back and look into a photo so many times and then manually save that inside of one password. But, yeah, that's that's also a great use case yeah. for nerds like us anyway. So is there anything else, uh, app updates, that you've been really digging? I, I know um, one that wasn't really a, a category into itself, uh, but Pixelmator Photo had this uh, wonderful update that came out alongside iPadOS 15. I'm looking up the release notes of, of what was included here. But uh, basically it improved machine learning, the match color algorithm, the super resolution algorithm. So And also took advantage of something that I've not seen other apps do, uh, more memory. So in the release notes, the M1 iPad Pro is more memory that we can take advantage of, so we will. So I'm not sure if that release note says... It currently does, or it's just promising, you know, soon we're going to ask for this permission to use more memory and we're going to then. But uh, it's exciting nonetheless that we're going to start getting more memory out of uh, uh, Pixelmator Photo, at least. I noticed that iOS 15, too, again, had the um, the request to use greater amounts of RAM as something that they can actually do. So, I, again, I A don't lot know if it's actually... RAM. Yeah, yeah. Than uh, than it used to. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what that opens up with things like uh, LumaFusion, which is you know a great video editor. And uh, I know just sort of a tangent on uh, on LumaFusion. It makes me so happy to be able to also use that on my M1 uh, Mac Mini as well. So being able to go uh, between the two with the same app is just it's it's really neat. Though, strangely enough, I, I have more memory on my uh, iPad Pro than I do on my Mac 1. I mean, my, M, my M1 Mac Mini. <laughs> That's kind of wild, yeah. But I think it was, what, up to 12 gigabytes of RAM you're able to use on the 16-gigabyte uh, iPad Pros now? I think so. There was some uh, entitlement that you had to request, yes. I guess, to be able to do that. So I think, was it 5 gigabytes that they were saying that is now allowed per application 12? without having to... Oh, I know you can go up to twelve. But oh, I thought there were, without I remember seeing I believe five. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah. So that uh, it, it's becoming more of a desktop class machine. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really loving that. So yeah. you know, podcast editing in Ferrite, LumaFusion for video editing. It's uh, it's it's a different world now. Yeah. So I kind of like and that. I, I'm very excited for whenever that multi-cam update for LumaFusion hits uh, at some point this year, hopefully. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a really nice thing too. So if you're doing interviews or you're doing something where you're uh, you're filming someone and and you're also narrating at the same time, you can you can really cross cut and have that stuff just be seamless and perfect. Yeah, you could have everybody at a wedding be filming the wedding in their seats and then. Uh, sync like a hundred cameras <laughs> uh, probably not that many all at once but uh, a great number of cameras you'd sync up for live stuff like that oh yeah uh, focus mode I did want to touch on just a little bit so 
one of the things that Apple did with focus mode that I know you, you had previously talked about, but I saw you, you, you mentioned that on Twitter as well was making the groups and then being able to uh, allow people in. So for those that have played with focus mode, one of the, the problems that you have is that if you're allowing notifications, you have to pick people to allow from instead of allowing, you know, excluding only these, but you got around that with a pretty creative way. That was, that was pretty smart of creating contact groups and then just using those for the ones you want to get contacts from. Yeah. And it's boggling that the contacts app on iPad OS doesn't let you create groups. Uh, so you need Cartop for that. Again, a, another fantastic third-party app that actually fills in a, a sort of a, a missing part uh, from that. I'm still playing with focus mode. I mean, a lot of my use cases, I mean, mostly it's driving or uh, recording or something like that that I'm, I'm having to do right now. So the use cases aren't, uh, aren't as... Uh, I want to come up with a lot of refinements for these sort of things. I want to come up with a lot of use cases that I can use where I can uh, change the home screen on the fly. On the iPhone, I can think of several contexts where I would use focus mode more so than I would on the iPad. So for like on the iPhone, you know, if you're driving, you don't want to be distracted. Um, if you're, um, gosh, there was another one. Uh, if you're traveling, one of the things that yeah. I used to do when I, when I traveled is I would put like, I'd rearrange my home screen before I would leave so that things like my airline, my hotel, my whatever, were all taking up the, uh, the home screen. So having a context where I can just, um, you know, have a travel context where it's, it's only going to show me those apps that are pertinent for what I'm doing or a navigation one for when I'm driving so that it's, well, that's not a bad case because I'm using CarPlay most of the time for that. Right. But you get where I'm, where I'm yeah. going with that. Of On the iPad, if you're into gaming or watching video content, it, it's nice to have a... Uh, you know a focus mode for i'm um, watching watching movies and there's netflix hulu and some of those of widgets apple tv and you could have a gaming one here's all your you know favorite games with whatever widgets pertain to that have the ps5 remote play app all of that could be a part of that that's a that's a great point too so one of the, the biggest problems i've had whenever i watched stuff on the ipad is that the constant life interruptions that would come in that would not happen if I was on the Apple TV, for example. So that is a, that's a great use case of being able to say, I don't want to be distracted while I'm killing zombies inside of the Xbox game cloud, you know, uh, app or the, uh, the PS remote play app. So yeah, yeah. You've just given me more use cases. Yeah. <laughs> so any other app updates or things you want to mention before we wrap it up? No, I think that, uh, that pretty much, that pretty much covers it. Uh, unlike you over the summer, I did not run the betas just because, uh, my health issues that I've had, I've been in and out of the hospital sort of unpredictably over the summer. So I needed my devices to have no glitches and, and just be as useful as possible. So I only installed iOS 15 when the release candidate came out. I went ahead and put that on the, uh, on all of my devices. And so I'm a little bit behind the curve compared to, uh, to some of the folks who've been, have been doing this all summer. So I'm, I'm still catching up on a lot of these things, but you know, so far I would say I was initially when, you know, iPad OS was announced at uh, iPad OS 15 was announced at WWDC. I felt a little bit underwhelmed. Like, oh, is this all we get? You know, and having used it, I, I don't feel that way anymore. There was a lot more under the hood than uh, than I expected. That I'm starting to take for granted already. So yeah, the widgets being a you know the Excel widgets is is a good thing. The Quick Note is a good thing. Um, multitasking <laughs> Safari. Yeah, multi. Oh my gosh, multitasking. We didn't even yeah we didn't even talk about that. Being able to use the uh, the app shelf, things like that. It's it's so much better than it was in iOS 14. I mean, yeah, we didn't get all the, the things that we wanted, but just the stuff that are in 15 are, are going to be 
paradigm shifters for a lot of folks that depend on this as their primary computing device, as I think both you and I do. It's uh, it's it's where we go for everything. So it's it's gotten a lot better, and it makes me want to not reach for that Mac a whole lot more than I ever had before. If uh, if I could just get the podcasting the way that I want it inside of the iPad, I would I would ditch the Mac altogether. I do yeah. believe. Yeah, the shelf. It's taking me a bit to learn how to best utilize this, but it really does make multi-window super quick. Being able to jump back and forth between multiple uh, windows, you're in a split screen. You can just tap the three dots up top and then you can tap down below to change windows and yeah it's it's great when you have that app switcher where you already have something in uh split screen and you can go back and it automatically has that where you left it i love that so much that is the that is so super useful because a lot of times in ios 14 when you would have to go and try to do uh split screen it was either really easy to to, to mess it up or it was really uh really hard to get it to go away. And a lot of those things have just have just gone away. It's so much better in the way that they've designed it without having to mimic a desktop, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a different way of doing things. And I know there's a lot of people that, are, uh, that have been using computers for decades who are kind of maybe don't take to that as well as they would, they would want to. But once you get used to it, I think this is the way things are going to be going forward. I think the max days are kind of numbered. And I think the way that they... Uh, are handling these sorts of changes in iOS are, are just going to end up being the default for most people. Yeah. Well, um, with that, Brian, uh, where can folks find what you're up to? I can be found on Twitter at, at Brian B, B-R-I-A-N-B. And you can also find me on the Infinite Loopback podcast. Uh, again, because of the health challenges, sometimes the uh, the output this summer has been a little bit lower than uh, than what I would have liked. But now that things are sort of on the upturn for me and, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing much better than I was before, the, uh, the output should be a, a little bit better there. But that's the, the best place you can find me is both Twitter and uh, my podcast. That podcast, again, is the uh, Infinite Loopback podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Excellent. Well, thank you again uh, for your time today. It's been great chatting with you again. And uh, yeah, we'll have to talk again and do this again at some point in the future. Absolutely, Tim. Have a good one. Well, that was my discussion with Brian all about the app updates for iPadOS 15. Make sure to check out his podcast, the Infinite Loopback Podcast. And my thanks again to Magic Mind for sponsoring this episode. Please go right now to magicmind.co slash iPadPros and use code iPadPros20 for 20% off your order of Magic Mind. This drink is packed full of incredible ingredients that improves my focus and is an essential part of my workflow for getting into the flow for producing this podcast. Learn more at magicmind.co slash iPadPros. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.